Hi, I'm Hilary Acer, welcoming you to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, an ongoing exploration about how to improve health and healthcare. We have a special episode for you today as we kick off our newest series, Next Gen Journeys. Here, we interview health professional students and recent graduates around the globe to explore their unique paths and to hear fresh perspectives on education, medicine, the future of healthcare, as well as building a purposeful life and career. Starting with Dr. Lewis Nasser is a natural choice because of his many contributions he's made to osmosis over the last several years. Lewis was an early adopter of osmosis in his medical school, St. Joseph University in Lebanon. He then joined our Osmosis Medical Education Fellowship Program to become an Osmosis Fellow, was soon promoted to a regional lead in 2020 to guide other fellows, and now serves as a critical member of the team working on the Year of the Zebra Initiative to raise awareness for rare diseases. Lewis earned his MD and MSc degree from St. Joseph's last year. He's currently a research fellow in the Leukemia Department at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, and works to be an aspiring hematologist-oncologist. Lewis and I met when he joined our Osmosis Medical Education Fellowship in 2020 and have worked closely together over the years, educating thousands of health professional students and supporting them along their healthcare journeys. He is one of the brightest and kindest student leaders I've had the pleasure of working with, and I'm really proud to see how he's progressed on his journey. So, Lewis, thank you so much for joining us. It's wonderful to have you on Raise the Line. Thank you so much for this introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Well, Lewis, let's start with your background. I'd love to get a little bit more information on how you first got started in medicine and first got interested in choosing that as a career path. Oof, that's a big question. Uh, so I was born in the U.S. Uh, when my father was working here as a hematologist oncologist, but I've lived most of my life in Lebanon. It's uh, where I met my now wife. We got married last year right after graduation, and it's where I graduated with an MD and MSc degree. I think what got me interested in medicine, there was never really another choice, another real career path. I think it boils down to who I am as a person and what I want to do. So I've always been curious. I've always wanted to learn for learning's sake. And there's a lot of learning to be done in uh, in medicine. There's something satisfying about um, solving the puzzle that is the diagnosis of a patient. And for sure... <laughs> I was indirectly imbued by my father as a as a role model, even though there was no direct pressure ever. So that's who I am as a person. And then I think there's what I want to do. And I think we all look for meaning somewhere. And in medicine, medicine in and of itself is very full of meaning. Like there's the act of service of being next to someone who doesn't know necessarily their disease as deeply and who needs someone they can trust uh, when they are in a position of weakness is something I'm, I want to be for others, like being a problem solver for others. So I think that all came together in medicine and that's where I am now. That's amazing, Louis. First, congrats to you and your wife on recent marriage. That's very exciting. And I actually didn't know that your father was also a hematologist oncologist. So following in his footsteps in some ways, and I love the way that you put it, um, you know, just being of service to others in a moment of need. And I can imagine many of our other healthcare students and health professionals who are serving today feel similarly. So it's definitely an important role to play and a much, much needed role for people as thoughtful as yourself. So thank you for taking that journey. Um, next, I'd love to know how you came across osmosis and and how you actually began studying with it. 
it was very random. Uh, it was, Osmosis was still at the in the beginning phases compared to what we have now as uh, visual quality. It was much less back then. I was still in second or third year of a seven-year program in my med school, so maybe I was 20 years old. And we came across a video on YouTube because there were some of them who were available uh, to everyone. And my friends in my study group and I have always known that the U.S. is uh, is a goal for training for us for residency. So having a resource that looks simple, looks straight to the point, and is able to get us through the uh, the standardized exams that are the USMLE Step 1 and 2 was just on point, basically. Um, I remember, though, being a new company, Osmosis had this Osmosis Around the World tab. And we were maybe three out of 10 in our whole country that had that were Osmosis uh, subscribers. So I was there from the beginning and then I saw it improve all throughout. An Osmosis original, Lewis. That's pretty <laughs> exciting to be able to say that. Um, <laughs> we, I believe, yeah, now we've expanded to many more countries. And if you haven't checked out the osmosis.org slash world page, you're probably missing out because there's likely to be a student who is learning by osmosis or a health professional uh, who is serving in that region now. But I'm happy that you mentioned the progress that we've made over the last few years because I've also been here now almost seven years. And it's pretty amazing to see how much we've grown. Our YouTube channel is about to reach 3 million subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed, just a little plug to jump on over there and help us meet that goal. But um, there's a lot of other things that we've expanded, including reaching more nursing students, uh, reaching more international students, localizing our content, expanding into the clinical years, and much more. Um, you've actually been a, a big part of our expansion into patient education recently. So I'm going to leave a little cliffhanger here. We'll get into that a little bit later about our rare disease initiatives, but uh, we've seen a lot of growth. So thanks to you for giving feedback along the way and a number of our students who've done that. Um, and shout out to the team. For sure. They're amazing. <laughs> And you mentioned, you know, growing up in Lebanon, going to school in Lebanon, I'd love to hear your perspectives or what you can share about being an international medical student. Osmosis has helped, for sure. Um, the thing about medical education as a whole is that a big part of it is uh, self-learning or being self-taught. And this is even shown in the data recently, like you see big headlines about, uh, oh, medical student classes are empty lectures basically are empty. And why that is, is that medical education is self-paced in many ways. Um, there's only so much of the ocean of information uh, teachers can present until it comes up to your responsibility to study them. That is a universal experience across the world. So I'm going to start with the similarities of medical education, and then we'll go to what being international um, makes it different. So basically, being self-taught in medical education means that you will take it as far as you want to go. And what your med school does is give you a framework to uh, to work through that. And depending on your goals for us, uh, and for me specifically, it was going to the US. So I've always been geared towards that and geared towards standardized learning, which is uh, through osmosis and others, to complement everything that the university gives us. But being international, an international student, there are different specific considerations that um, should be taken into account, especially 
this is something that's very relevant now uh, with everything happening in the Middle East region, is that you have uh, security concerns that overshadow uh, your whole learning journey. So it's another layer of uh, obstacles that you have to get through while already learning a very dense uh, curriculum. A personal experience with that is uh, specifically the Beirut port explosion of August 4th, 2020. For context, it's the biggest non-nuclear explosion of the 21st century that basically ravaged uh, our capital starting from the port. And I was in basically my second med school year, uh, equivalent with the US, so fifth year overall. And I was home. I thought it was an earthquake at first, but then the glass starts shattering and we have to account for our families and you have uh, chaos and disaster. And then even before we were we were supposed to be in the hospital uh, interning on our clerkships, our class of students rushed to the emergency department to help out however we can in an overworked... Uh, the scenes I've seen, I mean, it's something very different uh, to experience and something that someone who has trained in the U.S. does not necessarily have overshadowing them. Um, this gives international students in my perspective, a resilience and an adaptability to the work that they do that is unique in many ways and that they can bring to clinical practice, to their own practice very well, especially once uh, they put the effort and they make it out of there. So that's one layer of international student uh, struggles. <laughs> Uh, also specific to Lebanon is uh, power cuts. I mean, sometimes, you know, you have to study in your book with a candle just in trying to get the words there. These are things that we don't talk about, but they indirectly make us much tougher, which is needed in, in our environment. I love that you pointed out the adaptability and resilience piece of international medical students, because I think we've witnessed that firsthand, especially with everything going on in the Middle East, but there there are a number of challenges that we've seen, including increased natural disasters that many of our, our student leaders have had to step up in, in their countries and support the healthcare system. With the name of this podcast, Raise the Line, and you've been around osmosis long enough to know that one of the main goals of osmosis is to increase healthcare capacity by training and educating more clinicians on the ground. So you know, it's definitely something that we hope to continue supporting with our international reach. And more localization uh, to each of these specific regions. We have a big project right now that we're working on with India to train community healthcare workers, and we have a number of other projects that we're expanding upon. But yeah, I I would love to dig back in a little bit to the resilience and adaptability of these international medical students, and in particular, IMGs who are looking to come to the U.S. for residency. Do you have any advice you can share to them on maybe some of the steps that you've taken or some of the things that you're thinking about on your way there? I think the biggest, and I'll circle back to an example uh, later on, but I think the biggest advice that I can give others, especially IMGs, is it's a long journey. There are many steps along the way. And when you look at it and think towards the future, which we tend to do, um, you may feel paralyzed by the, the scale of it. My advice here comes that not to worry, take a deep breath, break it down to small chunks. You've already achieved so much. Keep building on that and you will get there step by step. That is basically the mindset. That is my biggest advice. Um, 
regarding the challenges, you bring a very good point in that osmosis has been able to to have a, a real impact. For background, I was an OMF. So uh, I was part of the Osmosis Medical Education Fellowship at the beginning. When I became a regional lead and helped other OMFs do their own events through mentorship and, and support, what happened was uh, when the port explosion happened, an OMF that I was helping out in my group used the Osmosis event as a relief for others. So they... Uh, they basically uh, organized each other, met students from across universities, so three, four universities. They went down to uh, the blast site, which is a huge thing, and the houses that were around them. And they helped clean up the debris and uh, the houses of people who had lost everything in the explosion. So Osmosis was directly involved in bringing humanitarian relief to an area of need. And I was able to be part of that. Uh, and that just, you know, this is something that to add to the list to be grateful for, you know? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's an amazing story, Lewis. We've seen a number of stories like that within our community. And I'll give a, a timely shout out to one of our senior regional leads today, Mohammed Aldalu, who I know you've helped to mentor. He is based in Palestine. And what he's done is helped to organize thousands of students in the region who are developing various leadership skills and clinical skills and using osmosis as a, a platform there. Um, but in addition, one of the things that recently happened were the earthquakes in Turkey. And um, part of his extra work outside of his regular studies and organizing his chapter uh, and so on was actually writing a blog post with a number of resources that students in Turkey could utilize to help during the earthquakes. And so there's a number of beautiful stories like this of students helping out one another. And all of this is kind of connected back through osmosis and hopefully through the values that we continue to espouse and embody. One of my favorite being start with the heart and just bringing that caring mindset to wherever you are. So thanks for, for sharing that example. Getting back just a little bit to the international piece and kind of preparing to come to the U.S., you are also taking steps to do specific research, and I'm guessing that that is helpful on your journey to residency. I'd love to know a little bit more about what you're working on at MD Anderson and if you can share any of the current questions that you're asking in research and the things that you're thinking about. We would love to hear more. For sure. MD Anderson is an amazing place. I mean, not because I'm, especially because I'm inside, actually. Um, I'm working in the leukemia department, and I'm lucky to be working with amazing mentors. I'm going to plug in I'm Dr. Short here, Dr. Jabour, Dr. Kuntarjan. They are amazing people. Basically, what they're doing, what we're doing now is uh, leading clinical trials on uh, leukemia patients and translating the results from that into meaningful practice-changing, life-saving regimens and standards of care for patients. So basically, when they run a trial, the question that they ask is, is this drug effective with these others in this situation? And there are thousands of permutations possible, depending on the patient, depending on the drugs, depending on the specific genetic abnormalities and the form of the disease, whether it's acute lymphoblastic or myeloblastic leukemia. I won't go into details, but there are so many questions, specific questions to be asked. And the way that they do it is on a scale that is impressive because, because it's a reference center, because it's uh, the number one center in the country, they have the resources and they use them well to be able to 
really um, push the boundaries of knowledge for patient care further. So then what is amazing is that when you see the history of a patient survival charts starting up and going down after X certain months, but now they are straight line that survive for two, three, four, five X years. It's just, it's exciting to see the changes and it's exciting to to see um, cancer, whether a hematological malignancy or a solid tumor go from what is perceived as a death sentence to something manageable, you know, something uh, that maybe we can even cure. This is what they're doing here. And being part of it is very rewarding and very challenging at the same time, because we are pushed. I had to learn, like I had to self-teach myself uh, complex statistical analyses that I did not expect that I would be asked to do here. But when rising to the challenge yields such results, it's just to be done. That's amazing. Congrats on the progress that you and the team are making there. And I maybe want to step back for those who aren't as familiar with these fields in medicine. Can you describe a little bit more about what hematology oncology entails? And I know you're on your way to specializing in that field too. And, and maybe this follow-up would be what you hope to achieve in that field. Yeah, my goal is definitely to become a hematologist oncologist. Um, what that means is, so this is basically cancer. So hematology deals with uh, disorders of the blood. I'm going to talk specifically about malignant, so cancerous disorders of the blood. Uh, or oncology is solid tumors. Um, so basically the the starting concept is the same. It's a cell that is dividing uncontrollably. With uh, Depending on the type of cell that it is and where it is, if it's a bone marrow cell or if it's a, an organ, say lung cancer, um, that's what gives it its name. Now, this is a simple breakdown, but the causes of cancer and the, what causes the cell to continue proliferating unstoppably is uh, the main issue. Now, I like to explain it with a car. So in a car, you can either accelerate or brake. So if your accelerator is stuck, you will keep speeding up, so keep dividing. So these are genes that uh, drive the cell to move forward. If your brake does not work anymore, you will keep accelerating and keep driving. So that's where tumor suppressor genes don't work. So there is so many causes and so many different and varied uh, ways that we can act on these causes that makes cancer such a booming field and such a complex, ripe place to do research. And this is part of why it appeals to me as someone who wants to keep learning and keep expanding my knowledge on those things, because there you have a diagnostic challenge and a treatment challenge that will stimulate me as a physician, but that is also meaningful because it's a life of a patient that you have to take responsibility for and know enough to be comfortable to take the responsibility of their life in our hands, basically. So it goes back to why I'm doing medicine. And it just makes sense to, to me. And I hope, I really hope to be part of the scientific wave of making cancer history. You know, it's it's as meaningful as it can get here, especially with an aging population across the board. Certainly. I think most of our readers and listeners have someone in their life affected by cancer and can relate to that. So thank you again for the work that you're doing there. Um, 
It sounds like some of the common threads you've mentioned, Lewis, or things that are important to you are just being a really caring and, and trusted partner along a patient's journey, as well as solving their problems. And you've actually recently taken on a big role within osmosis as a contributor to the Year of the Zebra Project, which is a campaign to educate people about rare diseases and rare disorders around the globe. Um, what have you gained from working on that project? And, and how do you think that this new project will influence your work as a physician? That is an amazing question. I think I'll talk about the the Year of the Zebra Initiative itself first, because it's important. Um, so the whole idea behind it is highlighting diseases that are not uh, commonly thought about, whether it's by the patient or by the healthcare community. So that's the whole point, right? That in medical school, we're taught uh, when you hear hoofbeats, think of horses, not zebras, because someone can present with uh, a certain set of symptoms that just don't click exactly with what we know. And it can turn out after a diagnostic odyssey is what we called it. Is their journey is usually plagued with years of misdiagnosis and having to travel to big centers that actually uh, know the disease. And so it's a whole thing that affects so many people and their families collectively. But if you take each single zebra alone, it's something very rare. So it, it has been an eye-opening experience for me in a way that I will tend to think twice and three times in front of something that doesn't really make sense. Uh, say I have a set of symptoms that isn't explained perfectly by one thing, then I will tend not to be dismissive of any uh, suffering from a patient or any additional alarm bells that may ring out. And I hope that this message is translated to others, which is our audience with the Year of the Zebra. It's just to to have the, the bell in the back of a physician's mind or any healthcare worker's mind that this may be something more and this person may need an extra layer of, of whatever it is to meet their needs. And it will make a big difference in, in a lot of people's lives. I mean, collectively, rare diseases affect 400 million people, which is an incredible number, but if you take each one alone, we, we've written about diseases that have 200 cases in the medical literature, which is nothing. So it's a big initiative, and I'm proud to be part of, of something um, that looks outwards from an institution that really applies its values. Well, if you want to learn from Lewis and the team, you can check out osmosis.org slash zebra. And He's part of the uh, amazing Zebra team that is helping to share this information out with healthcare students, patients, families, and caregivers around the world. And I would definitely recommend it. It's it's actually opened my thoughts quite a bit around the rare disease community. And there's been a lot of incredible activism and awareness that's been generated by this campaign. And we hope to continue that progress as we work through the rest of the year and beyond. So thanks for that background, Lewis. I have to shout out Lindsay and Shiv and Michael and, and Michelle here because it's been a pleasure to work with them. And Lindsay has been spearheading the I Am a Zebra initiative. So actually highlighting the stories of people. I have to say this. In the newsletter, we talk about the zebra disease itself, but we also talk about the patients. So we uh, give a patient story to give them a platform to humanize them and tell their story, their experience with their diseases. And then we also highlight an organization, usually a patient organization, that is doing its part within its field 
on so many aspects, uh, research, advocacy, uh, resources for these patients. So shout out to the team and to everyone in the rare disease community that's doing the good work. Thanks for paying it forward, Louis. That's great. I'm sure the team will appreciate their shout outs there. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your next steps in, in medicine. So you've finished your studies. You are doing a research year at MD Anderson. Next step is residency. I've heard a little bit about your advice for international medical graduates on their way to maybe a U.S. residency. But what about for you specifically? What can you tell us about that process and where you hope to land next year? So I'm applying for the match this year, the Internal Medicine Residency match. Um, the whole match is a bit of an uncertain process as a whole. So I, w- I would rather not comment on my ideal. But anyways, I'm sure that wherever I end up matching, I will continue doing what I'm doing now and putting in all the efforts that I can, building a, amazing relationships with a supportive team because that is basically the core of healthcare bringing everything forward I mean, for the benefit of, of ourselves and, and the patients. So what happens with the match is that we apply widely and uh, we get interviews and then we rank the places that interviewed us and they rank us in return and we get matched. <laughs> so there's a layer of uncertainty where waiting for uh, where you're going to go that is not pleasant <laughs> at all. But I understand that it's a necessary process and I know that the results will be favorable in the end. It's quite a suspenseful process and I'm sure can bring up quite a few nerves, but just to anyone listening, Lewis would be an amazing addition to your residency program and I would highly recommend him. So um, obviously, you know, selfishly, we don't want to lose you, Lewis. So we hope you continue working with us, but also know that, um, yeah, you'd be a great addition to any program here. So best of luck on the match coming up next year. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And maybe just to close out a few questions on, you know, just the education that you and our students are receiving. Are there any topics that you think Osmosis should create videos around or educational materials around that we haven't already or any that are of particular interest to you? That's a good question. There was At some point, uh, especially when osmosis started, there was a focus on basic sciences. So basically step one related material, which is fine. But then once we get to the clinical years, I felt myself wanting for more uh, clinical content from osmosis and presented in their beautiful uh, way and, and simple organized charts. Now, when I graduated from medical school, that came to be with the clinical science series. And we just missed you, Lewis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And my feed, my only feedback was, these are amazing. Where were they two years ago? So I think naturally going into residency now, I would love to see something or things from osmosis related to the whole residency project. I know it's a different field. Uh, for everyone. I know it's very specific. I know there are special challenges in residency, but I also know that with Elsevier behind osmosis, they can make it a reality one way or another. So that's if there's something I would want to see is something I would use later on. That's great feedback, Louis. And I know it's something that a lot of our teammates are thinking about and, and trying to understand how best to support residents 
after the clinical uh, years within schools. So I am sad that we missed you with our clinical sciences series because we've been getting a lot of amazing feedback. So shout out to our team who's been working carefully on getting those videos and question banks ready. But um, hopefully we'll be able to accelerate some of these residency efforts and not miss you again. Otherwise, Lewis, we may just need you to slow down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Help contribute to that after you're the zebra. We'll figure it out together. But Lewis, in, in closing, I'd love to just hear your advice for fellow students and early career clinicians. You've obviously been a leader within the Osmosis Medical Education Fellowship Program for years. You've mentored, gosh, at this point, hundreds of students. What do you think you know would be helpful for them to hear about meeting the challenges of healthcare today? I think healthcare is changing in many ways, especially with the incorporation of AI in many aspects of medicine. And I think there are many fears there that I mean, nobody can predict the future and which direction that technology will take. But um, my advice for everyone would be to stay educated on all the topics and try to just be empowered by information. However anyone leans or what their thoughts are on them, it's not an excuse not to learn about them. And then when we're empowered with that, we can take informed leanings. And uh, in my opinion... Everyone will be enhanced by AI in one way or another, but it's not going to be technology against people. It's going to be people with AI doing better work for each other. So that's what I hope to see at least. And yeah, that's how I'd like to close. I'm positive for the future. And I think everyone should be too. There's no better time to be. That's a great closing, Louis. I think... We're seeing a lot of advancements technologically in fields like AI, but we're also seeing new research as you and the team at MD Anderson are are progressing. So I think there's a lot of things to stay optimistic about, even when the world seems like a troubling place at times, and even when there are shortages in, in healthcare. But I certainly have more optimism after speaking with you today and have a lot of hope in the future of our healthcare providers and, and future clinicians. And um, thank you, Louis, for being with us today. I hope you continue to work on osmosis initiatives for as long as you can. And of course, wish you luck as you continue to pursue your dream in hematology and oncology. Thank you so much, Hilary. It was amazing. Uh, great talking to you. Thanks again, Lewis. I'm Hilary Acer. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen the healthcare system. We're all in this together. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.